Good to see you tonight, and <clears throat> we're going to go. I realized it's Passion Week, so I stepped out of Romans and, and uh, went to Luke 23. So if you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. <clears throat> Just for a few minutes tonight, it's amazing how much Scripture is given to this Passion Week, especially in the Gospel of John. You'd have to start reading, um, not quite halfway, but uh, John chapter 12 and clear up through 21, dealing with this one week before the resurrection. And we're all <clears throat> so looking forward to getting ready to come back for Sunday morning to hear Pastor Carl preaching on the resurrection. And so before that, though, there's a lot of events that go on. So want to look at tonight, Luke 23, disciples stirred to step forward, and I guess I'd pray that if anything tonight at all, <clears throat> that maybe you would be stirred to step forward in whatever capacity, whatever circumstance, whatever environment, whatever situation you find yourself in this week, that you would be encouraged to step forward in your faith, in your relationship, in your love with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Lord, I ask that you would help me tonight to give a clear understanding of what's going on here. A very simplistic passage of some people serving you in love with you, stepping forward for you. And it's no different uh, thousands of years uh, into the future for us tonight. There's a lot of people in this room tonight that love you. They want to step forward for you. And I pray that you would encourage them tonight. I pray in Jesus' name, our Savior. Uh, in, Jesus, in his name we pray, amen. <clears throat> the gospel narrative of Jesus' Passion Week ends on a note <clears throat> of compassion in the description of his burial. We see how the dead body of our Savior from the time that it was removed from the cross, was cared for by the hands of a faithful few followers. It's lots and lots of interesting things happen during a few, few days. Jesus had lived through the deepest humiliation, the suffering of hell and death, separation from the Father, and completed the full work for you and I tonight many, many others of substitutionary redemption. Don't you love that word? He has redeemed your soul tonight if you're a child of God. <clears throat> Through his death, he immediately joined his father in spirit in paradise. To the thief, you'll remember, he said, today shall thou be with me in where? Paradise. And he says, Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. So this proves that. So his suffering, his humiliation, his death was past. And victory would be revealed by his resurrection that we will be celebrating this Sunday. So, again, it's a great opportunity. Grab some cards, bring people Sunday. Sunday's an awesome day to come and rejoice and sing Pray, fellowship, and worship the Lord together as God's people. 
Never again will Jesus be the object of human mockery, humiliation, or violence. Never again. Jesus had finished all of his work and his honorable burial in the new rock-hued stone of who? The text is going to tell us tonight, Joseph of Arimathea. That's the beginning of his exaltation and his glorification. So, just for a few minutes, really simple outline, simple context tonight. I want us to look at some disciples that were stirred to step forward. Okay, so <clears throat> two points tonight. Number one, I want you to see a man stirred to action. A man stirred to action. We're just going to read accordingly every few verses and look at what is being said here. Look at verse 50 and 51. We're in Luke chapter 23. Look at verse 50. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the council and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin, or Council of the Jews. And like Nicodemus, also a member of the council, who came to Jesus by daytime, nighttime, when was it, folks? Good, you're thinking tonight, by night, who had spoke for Jesus, he spoke to him uh, on at least one other occasion. Joseph had apparently been affected by Jesus and his message, and he actually became a secret disciple also. Joseph, the text says, was fearful of openly defending Jesus. Now, you're like, one, right away, want to say, like, come on, dude, what's wrong with you? Why are you fearful about openly talking about Jesus in open public? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been fearful about talking to people about Jesus openly in public? Oh, yes. There's a lot of times the Lord is nudging me and saying, open up your mouth, Brian, and talk about me. Like, Lord, right now? I'm so busy. I've got an appointment. There's a lot of people around. <clears throat> it's tough on us sometimes. Um, John 19, 38 says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of who, folks? This guy was afraid of his brother, and he was afraid of the Jews. I don't struggle with that too much. Sometimes I am that way. Sometimes I'm concerned. Sometimes I'm fearful. I want to get over that. I want to step forward. I want to move in action for our Lord. <clears throat> but even though I want to do that, it doesn't mean that sometimes I'm fearful. Sometimes I'm wrestling. Joseph is described in the text as a good and just man who had not agreed with the decision of the council to seek the death of Jesus. He had not agreed with that. <clears throat> Folks, think about it. <clears throat> it would have been a great risk for Joseph not to go along with the rest of the council. I mean, here we are with the council of the Sanhedrin, the religious cream of the crop, and they're all going down through 
Pastor Carl calls for, you know, a member comes up and joins, and he's like, okay, everybody in favor, the whole church is like, and any, any opposed, you never hear anybody. And here you go, all the Sanhedrin, anybody in favor of crucifying Jesus, everybody, everybody's raising their hand, drinking a cup of coffee, like, yeah, let's get the show on the road. And here's Joseph, and he's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Tell me it wouldn't be a little concerning to you to open up and voice your opinion with all your peers there with you at the council. <clears throat> Look at verse 52 and 53, folks. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone where never man before was laid. So... Jesus is crucified. Someone has to deal with final arrangements, don't they? Someone has to. Someone has to figure out what to do with the body of Jesus. <coughs> Joseph was that man. He stepped forward. He was stirred to action to take care of Jesus' body. Knowing that the execution had taken place under Roman authority, he goes to Pilate because Pilate's over Rome, authority there. Now, it's interesting. I like to do word studies a little bit sometimes, quick ones. The Greek word for bagged here <coughs> in verse is atio. Why is that important? you might ask. It sheds just a little bit more light on the usage of the word that the Holy Spirit inspired Dr. Luke to write concerning Joseph and his character and his attitude when he gets to Pontius Pilate dealing with the arrangements of Jesus' dead body, which he's already fearful, fearful of his peers, fearful of the council of the Jews, fearful of the <clears throat> Sanhedrin, and now he goes to Pilate, and he begs for the body. <clears throat> Folks, each of the synoptic gospels uses this word. But <clears throat> Mark chapter 15, verse 43, which is actually the same Greek word, it's translated craved. So, think about it. Here's this pretty important guy on the council. Council Sanhedrin. Goes to Pilate. I've got the authority for my brother, the Jews. I want the body. He goes to Pilate. Roman authority, and he not only begs, but he craved Pilate to give him Jesus' body. I, I like to almost like close my eyes and picture that moment in time. He's begging, and he's not just begging, but he, in his inner heart, he craves to take care of Jesus' body. He's moved to step forward. He's moved to action. So, again, what group was it that had the major 
influence of Jesus being crucified? The religionists, right? The religionists. Do you know any religious people? A lot of religious people out there, aren't there? All over. The Jewish council, they were the ones. And guess who was part of the Jewish council? Again, Joseph was part of the Jewish council. They were the very ones with the influence of Jesus being crucified, and he sat on that council. And there was a major vote. And he knew it was all going down. He knew Jesus was going to be crucified. He knew he had a tomb hewed out of stone. He knew he wanted He craved. He begged Pilate. I want the body. I want to help. I want to do the arrangements of this funeral. Joseph was a part of that council that condemned him. <clears throat> Folks, this is, this is radical. I like to look when I study a passage. I like to look at things that just jump out at you. And to me, this just jumps out at me. Just like Nicodemus going to Jesus by night. How, how, how do you be born again? I mean, it's like, explain that to me, Jesus. Why at night? I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of my peers. I'm afraid of Sanhedrin. I'm afraid of Pharisees. I'm, I'm afraid of what the Jews will do to me. This is radical because here he is. He's on the council of the Sanhedrin. He's a religionist like all these other guys. But he's seeking Jesus as a secret disciple. And now you hear, here you have Joseph sitting on the council at one moment, and they're all voting in Jesus to be crucified. Now Joseph is begging and craving for the body of the man that the Jewish council had condemned to death. I was part of the council condemned to death, and now I'm begging and craving for that body that I, part of the council put him to death. <clears throat> Let's think about it for a moment. An area of personal individual application. And I want some help here. You think about it for a minute, okay? I'm not going to have a microphone run all over tonight. It takes too much time sometimes. But you think about it, and you've got a loud voice if you're not shy tonight. <clears throat> Coming to Christ and talking about your new faith in Christ brought some types of possible persecution. What types of possible persecution, individually, personally, in application, what types of persecution could it bring to you tonight, in a general way tonight? Yes. I think it's something we all fear, and that's embarrassment. We don't want to be laughed at. Yeah, right. That's good. That's a fear. Sue. Thank you. Man, my family lays ham and turkeys out and the spread out. Man, I love to go to the family invites. And I love to, I love to be with family, don't you? And you talk too much about Jesus and beg and crave for his heart to be in your heart. Be careful, your family might not like that too well. You, you might get a little bit too passionate in love with Jesus. That's just a little bit too much. We're not even going to invite you this year. We just, did you have your hand up, Jackie? Has that ever happened to you before in this room? Anybody lose any friends? <clears throat> I had three other best friends at that point when I come to Christ. 
We all played football. We were all in sports. We all trained together. We all ran around sitting together. We, all, we were all like loving life together, thinking that way. And we were life the party. And, you know, we were all playing. We all got married same time. We all, all of our wives were pregnant at the same time. We all were building brand new houses at the very same time. We all had, uh, we had magazines of what yacht we would all partake in and get when we retired to enjoy life together. And then Jesus comes in and interrupts the whole friendship because he goes, Brian, I want you to step forward and be stirred to action. Come to me, turn from your sin and trust in me as Savior. And you know what my whole life was like, turned not upside down, right side up, really. Those guys still respected me. But that friendship was like, it was like gone, gone. Lots of friendships gone. Lots and lots of friendships gone. That's a big one. <coughs> what else, folks? Yes, sir. That helps the hurting heart when we lose family and friends and maybe acquaintance at work and different people. They kind of stiff arm us because of Jesus. <coughs> it sure helps to have family say, come on over and have a meal. Let's pray together. Let's watch a movie together. Family of Christ. That's, fellowship is so important. Thank you for bringing that up. Anything else when we think about <coughs> types of possible general persecution? Yes. Getting called names. Yeah. Ooh, man. Like what? Like you, you are in a cult. <laughs> You're in a cult. You go to church. You go to church Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and then you stay around for 11 o'clock. And then sometimes you eat lunch, and then you stick around for 1.32 o'clock, and you don't get home till like 3 o'clock or so. You're telling me you spend five, six hours at church? You're in a cult. Uh, yeah, we, we, we were told we were in a cult. Oh, yeah, and you just sit there staring like, oh, boy, Jesus, give me patience, and yeah. Thank you, Doug. Anything else? Anybody lost their job in here because of Christianity? Just curious. You, you have lost your job? <clears throat> I had a deacon that worked, and... Uh, IT, and they, they wanted him to be on rotation for Sundays. <coughs> and he told me, um, he said, I'll work Easter, I'll work Christmas, I'll work all the holidays for all the other guys, I'll do, I'll do anything you ask me to do. Just don't ask me to be on rotation on Sunday, because the moment you ask me to be on rotation on Sunday, I'll give you my two-week notice. And I had known him maybe eight to ten years, and don't you know, never on a Sunday ever. And they didn't can him, they didn't lose his job. But some people have lost their jobs because of their love of Jesus Christ. And they just go on and serve him. Thanks, Suze. Yes, sir. <coughs> Thank you.
Amen. Amen. So this, I put a little list down. I just wanted to hear from you folks, and those were all really good. <clears throat> Joseph could have faced great persecution, really, in application for his very life at that time, from the Jewish authorities, rejection of office, so that's like losing your job, <clears throat> rejection of family, you brought that up, <clears throat> rejection of denomination, forget, not, forget being a Sanhedrin anymore, um, or a Jew, um, rejection, just all together. And some of you folks have re received rejection all over the place. So what does he do? What does Joseph do? <clears throat> he took the body of Jesus down from the cross and he wraps it up in linen. Joseph placed the body in a newly prepared sepulcher or tomb, but only after it was properly prepared. John 19, verse 39 says, And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and olives, olives, not olives, but <clears throat> about a hundred pound weight. You can tell I'm getting hungry already. Verse 54, And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. So Luke's statement about preparation and the Sabbath, it almost seems, folks, as I read this, it seems like a parenthesis there, like in the middle of the text. What is that statement? Why is it right in the middle? But it's important. The Sabbath began when? It began at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. <clears throat> the preparation day was called that because of the need to prepare for the sacred events of the Passover. So the, the pre-preparation began at 6 p.m. on Thursday evening. You say, what is the importance? John 19, actually, John 19.31, I don't have this down, but John 19.31 tells us that after the crucifixion, the Jews wanted the legs of Jesus and the robbers to be broken. Why? We went over this Sunday morning in Sunday school a, a little bit. They didn't want the bodies to be on the cross on what day? On the Sabbath. They didn't want the bodies to be on the Sabbath day. The Romans sometimes left the bodies there for days to have them eaten by birds. You know that. So since Jesus had already died, his legs were not broken, but his side was pierced, fulfilling prophecy. So he's taken down. And now what happens after that little, blue, that little verse there just saying, oh, remember this, what's going on here. Then we see um, the women stirred to loyalty. And <clears throat> look at verse 55. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And again, it's interesting, there's an emphasis on the women from Galilee. Look at verse 27 of chapter 23. <clears throat> and there followed him a great company of people. And of who? Women, which were also bewailed and lamented him. And then look at verse 49, right before we get to verse 50, our text tonight, verse 49. And all of his acquaintance and the who? The women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. Now, the word behold, the Greek word behold, is much stronger than just simply seeing, beholding. 
It actually means observation, leading to actually observing, leading to, oh, I get it. I understand now since I was observing. <coughs> the women did not just watch as the body was placed in the tomb, but they actually they saw how it was done. They saw where the body was put. They observed. They understood exactly what was going on. They observed so they could return to the tomb and give final preparations to the body. If the stone was placed before the door of the tomb prior to the women leaving, they must have assumed someone would be there to help them open the tomb to prepare the body the first day of the week. Verse 56 says, And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandments. <coughs> the use of spices and ointments for burial purposes, that was a common practice. Contact with a dead body brought a form of legal uncleanness. So the women rested on the Sabbath day. Why? Because we don't want to break the law, the Jewish law, and be unclean with God and, and God not look at us and we be in merit or in favor or be okay with God. So, so they actually they rested on the Sabbath day. Then the first day of the week, which was what day? Sunday. That's why we worship on Sunday, the Lord's day, the first day of the week. The first day of the week, Sunday, they took the prepared materials to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. The spices and the ointment that they brought were all used up when they got there, weren't they? No. Don't shake your head yes with me. They didn't need them, did they, folks? They didn't need the spices and ointments. They were not needed. <clears throat> Notice that those who were most involved in the death of Jesus were not his closest disciples. And I want to ask you one more question to participate tonight. And this could go down in the record. I'm closing up early tonight. You can shake my hand. You can give me a hug. You can thank me. Okay, but remember this, okay? Um, think about this. I'm going to ask you now why you think about why you think this was so. Again, and, and you've got to be able to, your mind races through the synoptics, the Gospels, and remember all the people involved. But if you remember and notice those who were most involved in the death of Jesus, they weren't the disciples. And that stumps me a little bit. I mean, if you're thinking about disciples stirred to step forward, Where's Peter? Where's John? Where's James? Where's, go down through the list. Where's all these awesome guys following Jesus, the disciples? They were the women, the thief on the cross, the centurion, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, think about this list. And don't forget Simon of Cyrene. So why do you think this list, <clears throat> the most important man in the universe, in the history of history, which there was no beginning 
And there is no end to Jesus. It's part of the Trinity. It's part of the triune Godhead. And you have this group attending to him and not the disciples. Why do you think so? Give me some input on that. <clears throat> Does anybody have any input on that at all? Yes, Jackie. Could you explain yourself a little bit more, please? <laughs> no, you're thinking right. I, that's where I get. I'm sitting there reading my Bible, and I, I'm starting to get all these questions in my mind. And I'm reading the text, and I'm thinking, and I think of that answer. <clears throat> but wouldn't this same group of people fear all that? Not just the disciples, like, you know, they're going to stone me. They're going to kick me out of, I'm not, I won't be able to go to the synagogue and worship. And wouldn't this same group of people feel the same way, like, I'm, why, why this group? Why, why, they, why did they get stirred to step forward? That's, that's good thinking, Jackie. Why did they get stirred to... <clears throat> they were feeling it, weren't they? Yeah, and being on the front lines really calls them to step forward, calls these men, calls these two high religionous men to give over their lives and get new hearts. Take out the stony heart, heart of flesh, Ezekiel says, the heart of Jesus. These women that would maybe fear for their lives, it calls them to be stirred to step forward. I thought I seen another hand, maybe. Yes, sir. I think you're probably right. I, I remember in the uh, in the text that uh, <clears throat> they're all in the room and the ladies, the ladies, the the ones that were stirred to step forward, they come running back and, and they're like, uh, um, hey, he's, he's risen and our master's back. And they're like, yeah, right. And they don't even believe the women. And then what is their resolve? <laughs> Let's go fishing. We know how to fish. We're good at fishing. Let's go golfing. We know how to golf. We know how to whatever, fill in the blank. Uh, yes, pastor. Yeah, every one of these lists, as Pastor said that, I'm sorry, live streamers, you're not hearing all this, uh, but uh, we're having a good time thinking through application on this. Every one of those on that list, I see love all over those. I mean, if you take one at a time and think about the situation, <laughs> Jesus just loved up on them, didn't he? Just like he loved up on you in this room, and he's giving you courage. And well, more, and then I better shut down, so I keep to my word tonight. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
That's right. Good observation. Okay, uh, folks, so to close up, are we as believers tonight stirred to action because of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection? And I would just simply say, if not, if not, why not? If not, why not? Maybe we have to wait until Sunday morning for Pastor Carl to stir us all up with a resurrection ser- sermon Sunday morning. You have the living Christ in your heart this week, this Passion Week. Get stirred up spiritually and serve the Lord. Move forward. Take steps to broadcast Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. Um, I'm going to pray, and then Brother Jim is going to come up here. Jesus paid it all. He's going to lead us in a closing hymn here in just a minute. Jesus paid it all. Father, thank you so much for this evening. Uh, Thank you for your word that so helps us, Lord, to understand human hearts, so many different types of people and different characters of people and um, circumstances and women and men and servants and, and helpers and fishermen and just all kinds of different groups and, and then how they responded uh, to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, whether they did in fear, whether they did in love. Um, Lord, thank you for this account. Thank you for this text, this narrative. And it does show us how you did stir some people, people groups and people, individuals, to move forward in their love and their relationship with you. Tonight I pray that in, in simple application of the exposition, that you just might move upon our hearts in this contemporary age, 2023, that you would move us to step forward in whatever that looks like, like in our life, in our family, in our circumstances, in the events that we're involved with this week. May you stir us to action. May you stir us to loyalty like these women in this text and move forward in our relationship in our serving you this week. We praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.